a child of God. You each are a child of God. He split the seas so we could walk right through it. Who needs that reminder today that our God is a mighty God who can do mighty things and that we have all the inheritance because we are His children above any other identity that we may have, of father, of mother, of our careers, of sister and brother. We are first and foremost a child of God. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person in this pavilion, each person who is watching us online, Lord. And I pray that their identity would be rest in knowing that they are your child, that you are their father, and that all that they have, all that you have is theirs. Lord, I pray that we would remember the power that comes, the same power that rose you from the grave lives in each one of us. Pray for this time as we learn another story here in the Bible, that we would learn a little bit more about who you are and how you can work in each of our lives. Pray all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, Grace City. So excited to be bringing you a message in our new series, Real News, The Power of a Story. And I've been thinking about the types of stories that I like to hear. And I love hearing all of your stories and that, but I was thinking about the movies. And probably like most of you in this past year, I've watched a lot more Netflix than I normally would. And I was thinking about what kind of movie, I was looking at my Netflix like recommended um, titles and it was interesting to see what pops up. And I realized the types of movies that I tend to watch fall into three categories. I love a good romantic comedy. I love action superhero movies. And I also love um, movies based on uh, true stories, usually true crime. So kind of an eclectic set of, of stories there. But they all have something in common and why, and it, there's the reason of why I love all of them. I know the ending. For every romantic comedy, you know the girl gets the boy. For the superhero movies, you know that the good guys are gonna win. And for the true story, true crime, I just Google the story before I start watching the movie, so I know how it ends. But I don't sit and watch the movie for how it ends. Or I don't, I know how it ends. And I could sit here and be like, oh, I watched this movie, the girl meets the boy, something happens, they fall back in love, and they run off and get married together. And that would probably be the plot of a large number of movies there. And I could say, oh, the good, um, the good guys and the bad guys, uh, wrestle in the beginning, but then the, it looks like the good guys are going to lose, but then the bad guys, but the good guys win at the end. That also is the plot for a lot of movies. So what I like about them is I sit and watch each one, and sometimes, many times, to see the twist and turn. I want to see what's how the characters are going to get from that very predict predictable beginning and that very predictable end. I like the middle. I want to see, because every movie, the middle is a little bit different. The characters are a little bit different. The thing is, we like these twists and turns when we're on the movie. Like, who wants to sit and watch a movie where you know what everything is going to happen right after another, right? You don't like those. We like the ones that surprise us a little. But we also, at least for me, I want the insurance of the end. But when it's happening in our own lives, we don't always like those twists and turns. We want to know exactly what's going to happen next. We want to know what 
that what's going to happen is what we want to happen, but we love it in the movies. How many of us are living the exact life that you pictured as a kid? Anyone? How many of you are even, um, have you had some twists and turns that you never saw coming happen in your life at some point? Yeah, all of us. When I, I was uh, cleaning out the house, uh, my mom's house recently, and I found a lot of old school work, and apparently when I was in elementary school, we had to write a lot. Like every year there was an autobiography that we had to, I don't know what I had to write in elementary school about my life, but you know, we had an autobiography, and it also, what do you want? And I saw it, I found this one that I was eight, and that I said in my future, I was gonna buy a farm, start a boarding school, and be married and have two kids on this farm. I don't own a farm, I don't run a boarding school, and I don't have a husband and two kids. So obviously nothing happened that I thought was going to happen when I was eight. But even when I think back to the way my life has turned out, there's a lot of twists and turns that I never saw coming. This week we're going to be diving into the story of Joseph, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And the reason isn't about how it begins and how it ends. It's because of all of the stuff in the middle. It's the twists and the turns, and there's so much that we can learn from this story. So, in case you're not familiar with the, the story of Joseph, I'm going to give you a real quick rundown. It is 12 chapters, um, so I'm not going to be reading that or having anyone read that. I figured we wanted to get out of here at a reasonable hour. Um, so, take this. It's not verbatim, but here, here's, here's the rundown of the story of Joseph. So, Joseph was one of the favored sons of Jacob. And one of the things you may know about him is that he had, he was given this beautiful coat that his father made for him to show his, his favoritism. And as much as I asked, Paula would not uh, do the score from Jesus or Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor dream coat for you all to hear. But so then he had a dream as a young man. He had a dream that he was one sheath and there were, his brothers were sheaths of wheat and they were all bowing down to him. And he tells his brothers this, and for any of you who have siblings you know, might understand that that didn't go over well with his brothers. And his brothers plotted and they wanted to kill him, eventually settled on selling him into slavery into Egypt. His brothers then told his father that he was dead and took the coat and covered it in blood and said, I'm so sorry, your, your favorite son was devoured by animals. Joseph then is sold into slavery and winds up in Egypt, and he winds up as a slave to one of Pharaoh's assister, uh, uh, officials, Potiphar. And in that time, he was found to have favor and lived in the master's house. One day, Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph and tried to come on to him. And Joseph, being an honorable man, rebuffed her advances and ran away. And as he did, she was angry, and his uh, coat came off, and she accused him of trying to attack him. And so then Joseph was thrown in jail. But even in jail, God had, was there with him, showed his favor, and he meets two other prisoners who come to him one day and say, I had a dream, but there is no way for me to interpret this dream. And Joseph responds, isn't God the one who interprets dreams? And God was there. And he interprets these dreams, and one of the dreams was for one of them was going to be that he would be restored back to his station as cupbearer to, the, to Pharaoh. Joseph's one ask was, remember me when you get back into that position. The cupbearer forgot, and jo Joseph was left languishing in jail for another two years. 
Eventually, Pharaoh has a dream, and no one can tell him what it means. And then the cupbearer remembers and calls up Joseph from prison. And Joseph interprets this dream and says that God will show Pharaoh what it means. And what he predicts is that what Pharaoh's dreams meant is there was going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So there would be time to get ready for these years. And with that, Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph that he was given the number two spot. The only person more powerful in Egypt than was Joseph. Joseph was number two to Pharaoh. Eventually, as the famine comes, his brothers from the another country come looking for food because he'd heard that Egypt had some. And the brothers don't recognize him. And when they meet him, they bow down, just as the dream predicted. Eventually, and there's a longer story there, but eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and they are reunited. And Pharaoh is so excited that Joseph has his family that he brings all of Joseph's family, his father, his brothers, and all of their families over to Egypt, giving them the best land. And they were reunited there. So to say that Joseph's story had some twists and turns and unexpected events is probably an understatement. And there are so many different things that we could take from the story, and I'm not going to be standing here preaching for hours, so we're just going to go with, with a few couple things here. We can hear this story, and I think we come up with two questions sometimes listening to this story. We ask, how, what did Joseph do to make him so special? Why was he so favored? Why, why was he so special? We can also wind up asking ourselves, how on earth did Joseph wind up in those bad situations? How did he get there? And there are dangers with both of those questions. So I'm going to start with that second one. What did Joseph do to wind up in those bad situations? And how many of us have maybe listened to a story of a friend, a coworker, a family member, and heard some, a situation that they got themselves into, and you think, how did they wind up there? And you ask those questions, but what you're asking for isn't just for you to, to hear more of their story. You're asking because you want to know, how can I not do that? How can I not wind up there? And yet that's not the right question there because we've all wound up in situations and sometimes we wind up, them, wind up in them because there are consequences to sin that we have committed or different events. But sometimes we just wind up in situations and you think, how on earth did I get here? What did I do? And there is no answer to that. Instead, we shouldn't be asking, how did you get there? But they should be, how did you respond? How did you experience God in those situations? How did you survive and thrive despite where you were in those moments? Those are the questions that you should be asking someone. And then there's that first question. What made Joseph so special? And so there's the, you know, I can tell you that the part of the reason why Joseph was special in Jacob's eyes, that he was the firstborn son to Jacob's favorite wife. Um, but he didn't do anything special to earn God's favor or to have that gift of having the dream or interpreting the dream. We want to think, what can I do to earn those things? We like this merit-based thing, and that's not the lesson that we take from Joseph. If you look at how he handled it, it wasn't what he did to earn those gifts. It was how he responded in each of those situations. 
Joseph acted with integrity when his Potiphar's wife came on to him. When he was in prison, he oversaw the other prisoners, and he was obedient and honorable in every situation that he was thrown in, and many not to anything that he did. His actions and his response is probably a sermon for another day. But what I want to focus on today is how Joseph was able to respond in each of those situations, how he was able to respond to God, how he was able to experience him. So every single one of you, and even if you didn't raise your hand, I know you did raise your hand in your head, when I asked if your life had some unexpected twists and turns, we've all had them. None of our lives have gone the way that we ever expected. And so there's a lot that we can relate to with Joseph. And while we probably have never been sold into slavery by our brothers, we have had twists and turns. And I say that there's a few lessons that we can take from this and how we should respond when we wind up in these situations that say, how on earth did I wind up here? So I'd say that every single one of us are in the middle of different stories of our lives. But all of us, as we are in the middle, we're in the middle of some twist and turn. And we're wondering, how did we get there? And how are we going to get to our ending? So when your story doesn't go as planned, or I'd say even when your story is going in planned, I would say we need to rest in three things. First, we need to rest that God is faithful. When we look at Joseph's story, we see that no matter where Joseph was, whether he was enslaved, whether he was in jail, whether he was second in command to Pharaoh for, in Egypt, God was with him. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Then it says that when he was in jail, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And not only was God with him, Joseph knew that God was with him. And he says in, to the other person, do interpretations not belong to God? Tell me your dream. Joseph did not take credit for what God was doing for him. He knew that God was in the middle of the jail with them. He was there in the middle of that situation, speaking and using Joseph and be in present. Even when Joseph was brought in front of Pharaoh, and it was a great time for him to be taking credit and looking like the big guy, he says, and Pharaoh says, I hear that you can tell me what my dream means. And Joseph said, I cannot do it, but God will give the answer that Pharaoh desires. Joseph knew that God was with him from jail up to the court of Pharaoh. He was with him in every moment and every situation. And each of those situations, how much, how many of those probably caught Joseph by surprise, especially after the dream that he had as a young man? that others were going to be bowing down to him, and yet he was some of the lowest of society. The lesson we can take here is that no matter where we are in our stories, God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And whether the unexpected place that we find ourselves is no fault of our own, or maybe even a direct result of something that we did, God is faithful and bigger, and just as we think, he can split the sea so we can walk right through it. There is no situation that you can find yourself in that God can't, isn't there and can't get you out of. We can also rest in God's favor. It says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. The Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
This idea of favor, maybe it's just me, this word favor, it kind of, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it because when I first hear the word favor, I always think of like asking my neighbor for a cup of sugar. I think of those little things that you ask someone to do and the ideas that you'll reciprocate and give that back. Or maybe sometimes when I think of the word favor, I think of the word favorite. And I'm like, oh, only those who are my favorite, are God's favorites get that. And that's certainly not me. That must be somebody else. But the actual word here for favor means grace. God's grace. It can be grace, favor, kindness. No matter where Joseph was, God's grace, his kindness, his favor was with him. No matter where we are, God's grace, his favor, his kindness is with each of us. Can you see that? And this favor and this grace isn't something that we have to earn or plead for. It says in Isaiah, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He longs for it. It's not something that you have to grudgingly pull from him. He wants to just bestow it upon each and every one of us. He will rise up to show us compassion. It says in 2 Timothy, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This grace, it's not like the cup of sugar that your neighbor asked you for. It's nothing that you could even come close to paying back. And it is something, it's not something that all of a sudden we get when we all, you know, get our act together or figure out or have the right answer. It has been with us since the beginning of time. God's grace is with us. God's kindness. God's favor. The best example of that grace is shown by the salvation that while we were still sinners, that he sent his son to die for us. And his grace and his kindness and favor, I will say, it might not show up in the way that you expect. It might not be even the way that you want, but it is there sustaining us, carrying us, no matter where we are in our stories. And finally, we can rest knowing that God's plan will be fulfilled. Joseph's dream as a young man came to fruition. And when he presented that dream, while he didn't interpret it for his family, I think the meaning was pretty obvious. And despite all the twists and turns, his brothers came, and while he didn't, they didn't know it was Joseph, they bowed down. And he did rise to power. He was one of the most powerful men in the country at the time. I don't think Joseph's story went the way that it, he expected it to, like many of ours. And if you think about it, he rose to power in a country that Hebrews weren't welcome. It wasn't his own country. When he thought of that power, he probably thought of it within his family, within maybe his town, within his country. But God took him far away to another place, to different people. He, Egyptians and Hebrews wouldn't even eat together, and yet Joseph was placed in a position of power. We don't know the people that we're going to be coming into contact with and who are going to be part of our stories. 
And one of the great joys of being part of Grace City is we are a church of many different stories and many backgrounds and walks, and we will get a, you get a chance to be part of people's stories who didn't maybe weren't even born in the same country as you, who didn't grow up in the same area as you, who don't look like you, who don't think like you, and yet we're all woven together. And that's what makes our stories more richer. We don't always understand how some of those beginning stories and beginning dreams that we have and how they're going to end and how that's going to be. Some of you who've known me for a long time know that I came here to Baltimore to pursue a career in cancer research. That is a dream that I had um, starting in high school. And I followed that and made many of my decisions throughout college and from majors to internships that I pursued to eventually the graduate program that I chose here that brought me here to Baltimore, kind of kicking and screaming like many of you. Um, but about six years ago, I walked away from the field of cancer research. And I'm going to tell you, walking away from that dream was one of the hardest things that I have ever done. I wondered, God, did I miss that dream? Or was it only for a season? Because I was a cancer researcher for a dozen years, but I thought it was going to be longer. What, what is going on? And recently I realized that at the heart of my dream wasn't about cancer research. My heart was a passion for science and getting to use science for the good of others. And as Bob alluded to in the intro, I now work in public health. And I get to be part of a team that is working with the CDC and labs across the country, and I am a small part of that team, but I get to be part of the variant detection and all of the work that's being done right now in this pandemic. God honored my dream. It just looks a little bit different than I ever expected. And we all have these stories. We all have stories of the twists and turns that life has taken us. Many of you maybe never thought you'd wind up here in Baltimore or be sitting here in a pavilion, a church filled with people who don't all look and think like you. But yet here we are. As the worship team comes up, I want to conclude with a couple of thoughts. So here, our stories as Christians, just like the movies that I love where I know the beginning and the end, I know the beginning and end of all of our stories. You are created in the image of God. You are his child and you will one day be with him in his kingdom. That is the beginning and that is the end and God will fulfill that. And right now we're in the middle and that middle might be a hard place to be. It might be ask, leaving you asking a lot of hard questions. And I wanna leave with um, this verse from Romans. It's a verse that I preached on a few weeks ago. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have called according to his purpose. I preached that verse on the power of hope. And my final point there was that hope transports, that with hope we are transported to where our citizenship truly is in heaven. And it is when we allow ourselves to be transported there, to know our ending, to know where we begin, to know to whom we belong to, that we can rest in God's faithfulness and his favor and knowing that it will be fulfilled and we can get through our stories.
Grace City, I am thankful to be part of this church with you. And I look forward, as Corey has told us, we want to be sharing our stories with 10 people and hearing 10 people's stories. And I look forward to hearing your stories, hearing where you are in that middle, hearing how you've seen God, how you've experienced him. And no matter where you are, whether you are exactly where you thought God would put you or you are on the complete opposite end of where you ever thought God would take you, he is with you. And as we go into worship, we will be singing the song Promises and we can rest in his promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So let us stand and worship together. <laughs>